0: Two, one, two, three! The ghosts are calling out of work today. They got way better things to do than work some nine to five. They got no use for living, breathing currency. But we all do because we're still alive! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the good, the rad, and the spooky, where we discuss the obscure, the obscene, and a little bit of that
1: Victorian scene.
0: Hey! <laughs> that's, that's funny for me and Hannah, because we know what we're talking about today, but you don't, unless you went as far as to read the episode title. Just kidding, we wouldn't give it away. No, right we wouldn't. Ha <laughs> ha. No. All right, Hannah. Um, to the absolute best of your capacity, uh, you want to go ahead and explain very briefly what, what we're discussing today?
1: Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I feel like there are two mm. descriptions because okay. it's it's a book, it's a play, and then it's a movie adaptation. So this is going to be explaining the book badly.
0: Mm, okay.
1: So woman goes through a tragedy, doesn't get therapy, and makes it everyone else's problem.
0: Okay. I mean, I know what we're talking about. Can I? Do you mind if I do the movie one?
1: Do the movie one. I have a movie one, but I want to hear yours.
0: Okay, um, dozens of people deal with grief the wrong way.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. I That's do. perfect.
0: All right, now, do you, you, you have the play?
1: I do, I do. It right. is, we are talking about Susan Hill's Woman in Black. That it is. Adapted by Stephen Molletrat for the stage, and adapted mm. by a bunch of hoes who didn't know what they were doing
0: for the screen. Um, yeah, the hoes didn't knows. Uh, as we will I don't Woman know. Black. It's it's a uh, it's a unique tale. I I uh I'm going to reserve my judgment until we talk specifically about the film because that's what I know. Uh Perfect. I actually just got done watching it like 10 minutes ago, guys. Nice. So <laughs> it's it's fresh as a daisy up there in the old Noggin. Do but for
1: you, now, do you want to hear about the first time I saw this movie? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. So, we're going to bleep out his name but the first time I saw this movie was like the first time I tried to watch a horror movie as like a horror enthusiast and it was Uh with and we watched about half of it and then made out for the second half of it (laughs) and I did not miss anything because then later on in my life I went and I read the book and I saw the play twice
0: okay so yeah you're you're Pretty familiar with the story, then.
1: I'm a little, I am a little familiar with the story, uh, and can I tell you why I chose it to talk about it now? Yeah,
0: no, I, I am curious. Um, this is not one I would have thought, but that's just based on my movie times. But right. please,
1: well, no, and 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 this is part of why this is one of the actually the the problems that I have with the adaptation. So, okay, I chose it. Because I was thinking about Christmas and spooky things we could share at Christmas. And here's the deal is the Victorians loved to tell spooky stories at Christmas, specifically Christmas Eve. That was like the thing you did. You stayed up super late around the fire and you would go around and everyone would try to creep the other one out. And you try to be the best story ever. And so many Gothic novels actually start off they well first of all a lot of gothic novels will do this bracketing where it's like somebody will describe picking up this manuscript or like oh i heard about this from a friend or oh i ran into this person or it happened to me but i'm telling it in retrospect and so hmm. woman in black starts off with the line it was 9 30 on christmas eve hmm. because it's arthur kipps the main character who tells the story of what happened to him because his family is like we're telling ghost stories because it's christmas and he's like i have the ghost story to end all ghost stories and it happened to me and then he proceeds and then the book wraps up and i love this line the book wraps up with they asked for my story i have told it enough
0: period baby
1: I love it and I, I just ooh it's so it's so good. So anyway, so I thought since it's a very festive time and it's a very festive activity I suppose to tell spooky stories. So this is a tradition I really think we should bring back. I
0: Oh, absolutely. Thought we
1: could kick off Christmas with uh, the Woman in Black.
0: Darn Tootin, Merry Christmas y'all. The holidays are here and so are the spooks. That's right, October all year. Just kidding. Christmas can be just as so scary. It's interesting exactly. to think of it like uh in a modern western uh kind of setting the uh christmas stories is kind of the equivalent to uh i don't know cabin in the woods type stuff yeah as as, as far as having uh a very blank palette to then spook from i don't know
1: right no, no no i i totally i i completely agree with that so yeah so should we summarize this thing uh for the Let's friends at too. home I I mean,
0: yes, and I'll say off the bat, the movie, I mean, the story is very different between adaptations, um, but I will do my best to go along with what I know from the movie.
1: Can you hear my cat?
0: Yeah, Spooky's just checking in, making sure (laughs) we're still having a good time.
1: Come here. She's yes. So she's uh she likes attention. So we can yeah, either keep okay. this moment or not. But uh, okay. Yeah. So uh why don't you walk me through the movie and then I'll I'll point out a couple things that that differ in the book and the play. Sure. Because the book and the play are basically exactly the same. The play okay. brackets right. itself a little bit differently than the book does. Sure. But for the most part, it's the same. Okay.
0: So, talk so, me the movie. The film begins with a pretty nice opening sequence. We see a few little girls uh, sitting around a tea set. There's some nice, ominous music going, set in the background. And then there's this lovely shot where we are from a higher up point in the corner of the room looking down at the girls, and they all simultaneously look up at us. And you know the magic of film and perspective tells us there is something here that we, as the audience, don't get to see, but they unfortunately have to. Uh, they then proceed to turn away and walk out the window and die. So that's yeah. uh, that's the first yeah. forty seconds of the film, just uh, to get everyone, a, a, you know, familiar with what we're what we're working with here in the yeah. next
1: that's, uh, hour and a
0: half runtime.
1: That's a great taster.
0: It's nice. And I will say, uh, as somebody who's pretty critical on both movies and especially horror movies, it was a good opening sequence. Um, yeah. I, I I just... And I, I guess I'll dive more into my opinions after we talk a bit more about the, the, the story. But um, good opening sequence. That's kind of what we're presented with. Uh, we are then introduced to our protagonist, who... You learn very quickly has uh, a dearly departed wife who uh, died giving birth to their son, Joseph, and he is clearly having a rough time. Um, So to uh, further the fact that our, our dear Arthur, the protagonist, is down on his luck... Uh, we then have this lovely exchange between him and his boss who tells him, uh, This is the last straw, author. If you don't go to this home and organize all these papers, you won't have a job, and we're going to throw you on the street. Uh, and he says uh, something along those lines. And uh, so he is uh, very it's Victorian, sad da- right? It, it and is. And the only yes. place
1: for poor people to go is the street. The street. The street. Uh,
0: and then a very sad Daniel Ratcliffe uh, is riding on the train for a little while, and he falls asleep, and then uh, we are introduced to uh, my favorite character in the film, uh, Sam, right? Um, Sam Daly. Yes, played by Ceron Hines. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Um, but he, Yeah, something like that. He did a lovely job uh, there as as the kind of deuteragonist. Um, I really appreciated his just nuance. uh I, I I think. Oh, geez, sorry. I'm already tangenting about the acting and stuff. So, it's fine. Back to the story. We are introduced to uh, our our token Sam character, uh, and then he uh, he is wandering around the town, kind of getting used to the locals, seeing how uh, they 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 seem a little unwelcoming of outsiders. Uh, he finds, yes, welcoming. he, he finds a, uh, an extra room at the inn to eventually stay at, and, uh, from there, everything just kind of goes downhill, he eventually goes to the home of this woman whose affairs he's trying to get in order, it's a mess, and then very quickly, there's lots of, uh, scary moments, and then, uh, things ah. start happening to the kids around town, and people are blaming his, uh, his being there and his being in her home and it's this whole deal and uh then we have the ending um (laughs) the ending which yeah we've got the ending. the whole so Uh, what you're
1: saying is that the whole plot is literally just spooky things happening in this house and it's a mess
0: yeah well it it kind of (laughs) as okay um i'm reserving some judgment here because i myself love a lot of movies that go off the beaten path of uh, narrative structure. But this one just kind of went off the rails uh, for a little bit. <laughs> um, and it just yeah. seemed it seemed a little vignette in the sense that there were some scenes that just kind of felt like, we're gonna do this now. Um, which is okay. Uh, but as far as the narrative goes, yeah, just a series of scary things happen within this home. Uh, the Townspeople start to blame Arthur's being there for these bad happenings because he's pissing off the woman in black. Um, and there's just kind of a lot of back and forth of him trying to figure out what's going on. And also, you know what? I I, <laughs> I just want to say, if there wasn't a ghost in this movie, uh, it would just be Arthur does anything but his job, the movie. Because oh, yeah. even before we're introduced to any scary elements in the film, he just does not organize any of those papers he's there to organize. Doesn't do and work he work. got distracted really easily. This man is clearly in the wrong line of work. Uh, anyway, I will say there were some really, really lovely shots in there of uh, landscapes and...
1: Um, oh, sure. We love a good landscape. Of, yeah, well, I'm specifically gonna come back of to that a couple actually. of the homes.
0: Great. Love it. Um, there were some really good Dutch angles, uh, things being tilted to the side to create a sense of uneasiness or mistrust. I loved all that. Uh, but yeah, the story just kind of, kind of yo-yoed for a bit. Um, and I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pin it there. And then I'd like to hear from you kind of the differences yeah. of the book up until the ending, because uh, I want to talk about the ending.
1: We'll talk about, it. oh, we'll talk about the ending. Cause I hate, I cool. hate the movie's ending. So <laughs> the book... Uh, The book starts off, kind of like I said before, with Arthur Kipps. Um, He's much older. Um, He's got a family um, with his second wife, and they're all talking about stories. And he's like, oh, buckle up, I've got one. Then he launches into his own retelling of this. The play starts off with um, Arthur Kipps bringing a play script to this actor saying, I need to tell this story. I need to get this out. I need it. This is like my way of processing things and I need other people to hear it Mm. and to listen to this. Uh, And the actor is, you you immediately get the sense that Arthur Kipps is coming from a very humble place and the actor is very full of, bravado, a very full okay. of I don't want to necessarily say themselves, but just confidence. <laughs> They're very sure. self-assured. Um and and it's uh, what I think is very interesting. So so then the mm. play does this thing where Arthur Kipps, the actual person that all these events happen to, kind of takes a back seat while the actor plays him. Okay. So the actor is playing a young Arthur Kipps while the older Arthur Kipps steps in as side characters. So it's yeah, kind of, it's a little confusing definitely to read, so I don't want to <laughs> spend too much time on it. Sure. But uh, that's that's kind of the bracketing that happens there. Um, and it's really interesting to set it up that way because old Arthur Kipps has learned. And that's why he's humble, and that's why he's broken, mm. and this actor hasn't gotten it yet, and that's why he gets to act like young Arthur, who did not get like it when that. he walked in yeah. uh, to this story. So... So that's the book and the play. Um, It starts off with uh, the same assignment. Arthur gets asked to go and take care of um, Alice Drablow's affairs, and she's died. Um, However, he doesn't have a son. He's engaged and he's very happy and he's very responsible and he's very well liked. He's he is <laughs> confident, he is self-assured. He knows yeah, what that's he's doing. That is very different from the film. It's very different from the film. It's very different from the film. Um and what this Arthur, what what book and play Arthur bring to this story is a sense of patriarchy. Mm. They bring this sense of, I know what's going on because Arthur comes into this small town and he's like, oh, you poor peasant folk, here I am. I am a mighty hoity-toity Londoner and I live in the city <laughs> and so I know more than you. So he gets into this right. town and he finds out about, you know, the ghosts that they're all scared of and he's like, ghosts, whatever. I know that mm-hmm. ghosts don't exist. <laughs> and he has several paragraphs where he basically like, he does he does this backhand compliment thing a lot where he's like (laughs) oh what it would be like to be so small-minded and to live in a small town that like little things that don't matter would worry me so much like oh that sounds delightful and it's just like oh gosh i don't care for you at all you don't really you don't really sympathize with arthur in the beginning because he's just hair toss toss uh so that's that's the first big difference is Arthur's character when you first oh, come in. Yeah. Um, the second thing is that Arthur actually does his job, and that's why he finds out so much. That's how he's able to <laughs> uncover the story. Is because creepy <gasps> things are say. happening. I know, right? What? Just, just, just do your damn job. Sometimes <sighs> uh, you might push the plot along. Who knows? Um, yeah. What a concept. I know, right? So he. Scary things do happen to him. Um, I think one of the major things in in both oh, Spooky's trying to get into the closet. No, Spooky, no, Spooky, not the closet. I'm back, I'm back. Uh, spooky things happen to him. Um, the big thing is the the death of the woman in black. Her name is Jeanette Humphrey. So the death of Jeanette's son is reenacted over and over and over. So Ooh. Arthur Kipps hears what what happened, this terrible, terrible accident where her son was being taken from the house. Um and, and I should I should back up. It's it's important to note that this house is situated in a marsh that, that essentially is. turns into an island. There's a full high tide that comes in and it turns the land surrounding it into just massive uh quicksand sinkhole muddy it's gross you can't cross it at that point so you can cross it you know during the day and at certain you know uh, low tide moments but then tide will come up so what the terrible thing that happened was that when Jeanette's illegitimate son was being taken away from her they left and got stuck in the mud and drowned it was the son, it was a, a nurse, I think, and uh, the carriage pony and trap driver. Right. And they all drowned in this, in this mud. Um, and that shows Jeez. up a little bit in the movie, but in the play, right. you hear it with Arthur, where he'll just be working. And all of a sudden, you just hear this terrible accident happening. And Arthur's like, what is going on? He freaks out, and he runs outside and sees there's, there's nothing And so Arthur does this job, but there are these punctuated moments where spooky things will happen, where he comes across this thing or that thing. um, And I wish we could go more in depth with this, Um, Mm. but it's great because it moves the story along. And so you get these spooky things that are happening, but because Arthur is doing his job and (laughs) is actually taking care of these papers he's able to uncover the mystery a whole lot faster than the movie does.
0: Yeah, there was... Uh, <laughs> so he, he starts finding these um, these pertinent letters almost immediately. And they're just insane and don't resemble legal documents at all. So I, I just want to say there's no, like... <laughs> that's like me getting hired to go to somebody's house and vacuum and then immediately checking the fridge.
1: <laughs> that's literally what happens, isn't it? <laughs> And I it's almost like a bottle episode because Arthur, for the most part, decides like there's so much going on that he decides to stay in this house. And everyone in town is like, please don't do that. And he's like, no, no <laughs> it'll be fine. Because, again, I don't believe in ghosts. So what's going to happen? Spooky hijinks happen. He freaks out. They eventually take him back. And uh, and they're just like, you know what? you don't need to solicit this anymore. Just go back to London. It's fine. It's fine. So he goes back Mm -hmm. to London and he's like, you're right. You're right. And he brushes himself off. He gets married to his girlfriend. They have a son also named Joseph. And then they're walking in the park and Arthur looks up and he sees the woman in black. And the moment he sees the woman in black, his son and wife experience basically the same accident that happened Uh, to her son where they're riding in a carriage through a park and the woman in black specter scares the horse and it takes off and it kills the baby and it injures his wife who later dies
0: shoot
1: so after that moment you know arthur is entirely changed and and he's able in the book he's able to you know have a second family and whatnot, but uh, but it really drives home this point where Jeanette is like everyone needs to know what I've been through. Mm. Which is a uh, a wonderful, wonderful trope in Victorian yeah? Gothic horror, especially <laughs> Victorian Gothic horror that was written by women. Woo woo! So there you, you go, did it, ladies. That's uh woman that's the the uh that's the about the summary. Uh it's a really shoddy summary. Everyone, please <laughs> don't watch the movie. Read the book. Please go read the book. Uh it's fun. Oh, it's man. a quick read. It's like what, how many how many pages is this sucker? It's 160. It's 160 pages. This is like a Saturday. It's not bad. It's a Saturday. That's not
0: bad. Yeah, I will say so the movie uh runs an hour and 36 minutes long, I believe. And it just feels a lot longer than that, because you think it ends several times, and then it doesn't. And then when it really ends, you're like, ah, oh, come on. Ah, oh, <laughs> really? That's the that's the ending you're gonna go with? I'll speak uh, for both sides of this movie. I will say, one, I liked it more than I remembered uh, liking it the first time, which is oh, when I, I saw it years and years ago. I was actually pleasantly surprised with some pretty decent cinematography, And some fun foley work and um, decent acting here and there, Uh, but yeah, the uh, just there are so many choices the movie made that just didn't work. Uh, (laughs) No, (laughs) above all else, the uh, the ending just. I remember thinking, well, well, what was the point then? Shall we discuss the ending?
1: Let's discuss the ending. So I told you Let's what happened. Told you what happened in yes. the book and the play. So why don't you mm-hmm. tell us how the movie ends?
0: All right. So um, within the film, there's kind of this underlying countdown of knowing that his son is going to be showing up with, their, uh, with his nanny at this town where all of this uh, spooky Shanghai is going on. And uh, then they'll be together, yay! Except the town is super haunted, and kids keep dying. That's <laughs> bad. That's so not great. Arthur meets them at this train station, uh, and and I'm thinking, well, there's nine minutes left of the movie. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well. What a um, question to ask. The uh, the movie went wrong because um, what they did is uh, this is after he dug back up the body of. Uh, the woman in Black's Child, who she had lost, and reunited her, and they buried her together. And then there's this whole echoing in the hallways of the mansion, because you think she's gone, but then she's like, Never forgive! Never forgive! Never forgive. Uh, and it's uh, it, uh, it's just goofy. Um, <laughs> and then, anyway, cut back to the train station. Uh, our our Arthur is holding his son's hand, and he's saying goodbyes to his Sam. Uh, and then bada boom bada bing who is it it's it's the it's the dang old lady who wears the dark clothes and uh (laughs) the son, lo and behold looks at her and and then sees a train coming up and thanks to himself i should stand in front of that so the little boy goes onto the train tracks and then uh a few seconds later the dad is like no joseph uh and it's daniel ratcliffe and he doesn't look like a dad uh he looks like (laughs) an older brother (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he he sprints toward him in slow mo, and it's this you're, you're like, oh, there's no way, there's no way they're not gonna make it. And then he grabs the sun, and the train goes meh, and you're like, whoa, what happened? And then Sam walks up to the tracks and is like, whoa, whoa, I don't know. And uh, we don't get to see what he sees because then it cuts to a close up of Daniel Radcliffe's face, and you're like, wow, he's breathing, and it looks cold. And then it it does a slow zoom out. He's he's like, Sam. Where are you? I'm Dad, You're Radcliffe. (laughs) And uh, then you're like, well, this is just uh, where they were at, but shadowy. So something Uh, has shifted. Uh, And then you see his dead wife, who he's missed the whole time. And he looks at his son and the son is like, hey, Papa, who's that? And he's like, (laughs) that's your mum. And then he walks up to her and just freaking like high fives her, gives her chest bump. And no, it's a really dumb moment, and no, no, he he looks at her and holds her hand, and it's a little sweet, um, then they walk into the fog, because it's foggy, because it's either London or heaven or both, and, uh, and both then the final opinion. shot, we cut back to the woman in black looking rather stoic, staring off into space, there's a slow close-up on her face, this slow pan, and she just kind of looks like she's staring at something. And then she looks at the camera, and, and I'm like, "Whoa! What did I do?" Uh, and that's the <laughs> end of the movie.
1: What did I do? Well, that's, that's it. You the, dared it, to live a happy life
0: when she didn't yeah. get to. Um, and it was a really just a dumb ending, and it, it kind of soured all the good moments for me in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, it was very cartoonish. It was. Um, it's not. It's like, not uh,
1: satisfying.
0: No, not, not as a narrative, not no. as a viewing experience, um, and let me just say, there were, uh, I believe, five or six jump scares, and they were all just goofier than the, l- the last one. Um, there's one moment when uh, you see the ghost of the sun, and he's covered in mud, and he goes, <clears throat> like a cat, Oh yeah, and I, I, I like, audibly snickered heck? at that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not it great. It got me. It's not no, great. not great, not so scary.
1: Let me tell you, let me tell you why this ending is unsatisfactory. And then we're going to come back to the jump scares and we're going to come back yes, to please. a couple of other things. So let me tell you why Perfect. this ending is unsatisfactory is because this story is Victorian Gothic. And I promise that I did not start this podcast with you to turn it into a Victorian Gothic podcast, <laughs> but this is my crusade. If, if nothing, if I do nothing on this podcast, at least I will educate the children about sure. gothic horror.
0: Take notes, kiddos.
1: Gothic horror is specifically written to teach lessons. We are supposed to get something from it. You get mm. nothing from Arthur dying. You get everything from when Arthur's son dies and he is left to live and to tell the tale. It's very Horatio and Hamlet. Someone yeah. has to be left behind to tell the story of the sweet, stupid prince. Love it. And that's, that's Jeanette's whole purpose is... <laughs> she experienced such a great loss she you know her son uh was born out of wedlock and because of that and because of social propriety her son was taken away her son was taken away and killed essentially and because of that she's so bitter about it that now she has to make everybody else feel the way that she did and that's kind of how victorian gothic as a genre got started it was a it was frequented by women who were like you don't understand how i feel about the situation so let me write you a ghost story and then maybe you'll get it then maybe you'll get Want some empathy idea. have
0: some freaking empathy have Feel some that. Empathy. Ah.
1: and and so the book has these beautiful moments where like the first time that arthur like really registers that he's seen the woman in black he describes this feeling um of like being overcome with anger and despair
0: and oh, just bitterness cool. and he
1: just describes this just terrible sickly feeling and it's like aha there's the empathy there it is yeah. and you don't get that in the movie you don't feel yeah. that you don't you don't get to
0: what you get in the movie is ah a ghost
1: yeah really though or, <laughs> Oh no, here's uh, more the, often than here's not ah uh,
0: a bird <laughs>
1: those jump scares don't do anything those jump scares are for no reason so that's why that ending is unsatisfactory is because you're supposed to learn from something from this tale and you don't and you can feel it and it's yeah the moral of the story
0: in uh in this one feels like hey don't worry if your young wife died because eventually you'll die too and maybe if you're lucky your youngest son will be with you dead because that's what the whole thing
1: is is the whole movie just propaganda for like families can be
0: together forever? <laughs> and for the family, you know
1: for the family right. back at home, that might not sound familiar to you, but uh, that's a that's a little religious joke for for a couple of you in the know. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's what it turns into is this propaganda of oh no, it's it's fine because when we die, we're together, and it's like that's not the point. The point yeah. is bitterness in this life.
0: Do you mind if I branch back to the film for just a minute?
1: I think we should. Let's let's branch back to the film.
0: There is a uh, one of my favorite parts of the film was actually they they there was this visual symbolism in the dichotomy of black and white, Ooh. um, which I really enjoyed. Um, it, it raised a lot of questions. I mean, so let me take a step back. Uh, okay. In visions of seeing his departed wife, Arthur's departed wife, who he loves very dearly, you sure. see the flowy uh, white dress. He always remembers her in her wedding dress, and ultimately, at the end, sees her again in her wedding dress, um, very much on purpose to be set against the woman in black. Uh, uh, ha, ha, ha.
1: And so there was
0: there was this idea that that white. Well, you know, white and black—you've got light and darkness, very surface level. But then you you dive a little bit deeper, and it's love, and it's grieving, and then it's uh, it's fragility, and it's stoicness. Uh, there, there were a lot of a lot of those parallels I kind of saw in the film and really enjoyed. And I w- I will say one more thing that they did very correctly. Sure. The props why not? In the kid's room, is uh, I mean. Oh boy. If anything added to any horror, it was just the Victorian age wind-up toys. Those were good. Oh, I like those because
1: they're all filled with lead. And they're poisoning yeah. slowly. Can we do Can we do an episode yes, about yes. all the things that were slowly killing the Victorians that they put inside their own homes and bodies, oh, war?
0: or on their body? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Or on their
1: bodies, <laughs> the Victorians were slowly uh. either driving themselves insane or driving themselves into the grave. Just wanted to throw that out there. We'll come back to that another yes. day.
0: Yeah, or... or, But you are correct. Love it, yeah. I think they were always actively trying to rot one part of their body or another. What's that?
1: For real, though. What? Well, I was going to say, what is it about those children's toys that's so creepy? Why does that work? Why is that so good in horror?
0: Well, I I think it's probably just sitting in the uncanny valley because you look at, like, old... uh, Just things throughout the generations you've had... Varying levels of people who design toys and varying levels of them being in and out of touch with children. Uh, and I think this was the perfect mm-hmm. prime time of people having no idea what cute was and no idea what children would actually enjoy. Oh, so they just concocted so as ready. many terrifying things as they could. And that's my uh, that's <laughs> that's my historic fan theory. Yeah. I really like that.
1: I was going to say, uh, I think it draws on that primordial fear that that we're all just scared our kids are gonna rise up and kill us
0: Yep. They're going to go all children of the corn. I don't know.
1: Exactly. Oh, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of being a mom of like a three-year-old, like three to four. Oh, man. That's what I'm really terrified of because that's when they're walking and that's when they're like eye level to your bed. So in the middle of the night, they can come up to you and be like, mom, can I get a glass of water? But they never really say it <laughs> like that, do they? And they're always super, super creepy at that age. And so they very well could just come up to you and be like, "Yep, grandma has a message for you. And it'd be like, you need to get back. You oh need to get back. Gosh. I'm not your mother anymore right now.
0: Go to I'm your room and we're going, <laughs> we're going to church in the morning.
1: We're going to
0: church in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, as soon as, so, as, soon anyways, as human kids, beings start to learn how to say things, it's, it's game over. <laughs> you better not learn how to speak English or else. We're going to take uh, just a quick commercial break. And then we'll be right back with the women in black. key break. Yeah, we're gonna go pee. You heard it here first, folks. Has this ever happened to you? I'm just trying to fly my broom to work and these f***ing kids keep throwing rocks at me. Or maybe this. I just wanted to feed my henchmen the souls of the damned, but those darn kids on a cul-de-sac keep coming by here with their dang meters and their f***ing dogs trying to solve some dumbass make believe mystery i just want to do my bidding and it may be time to try the patented kid be gone new environmentally friendly device that will leave you saying not so tough now Billy now that you've lost your stupid throwing arm This revolutionary new device latches on to whatever the child values most and gets rid of it for you. See they will be far too busy picking up the pieces of their broken life to bother you they've got plenty of other things to worry about but don't take my word for it. Here are some customer testimonials.
1: When ever since I started using this device,
0: the kids haven't stayed out of my lair. I think it's because Bob the street, street no longer half like a Game Boy. <laughs> but don't wait! Act now, and we'll throw in three pints of coagulated Type A blood for all of your ritualistic purposes. Just call five 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 Kid Be Gone. That's five 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 Kid Be Gone. And you'll get the Kid Be Gone device, three coagulated pints of type A blood, and a two-year guarantee that you shall have no children under the age of 12. Disturbing your dark biddings. Kid Be Gone is created by the Coven of Toymakers, also responsible for bringing you Baby's First Broom and Placenta-flavored Jelly Bears. Act now so you can get back to just doing you, the way the Dark Lord intended. Warning. Extremely illegal of children and, elderly. and we're back. Connor, yes. are you ready
1: for a rant?
0: I'm so re- I'm always ready for a good old rant.
1: So let's talk about this rocking chair, okay? Let's talk about the rocking so, Connor, chair. There's a rocking chair in the show. There's a rocking chair in the book, uh, in the play, is. in the movie. Mm-hmm. there's a rocking chair there's a rocking yes. chair uh rocking chair yep that rocking chair is really important it's really important what does the rocking chair do in the movie connor
0: okay so the rocking chair um actually there, okay i will say one of my favorite scenes in the film was uh, involving the rocking chair but it was really more so just uh, a good use of sound effects uh, so at one point, our uh, our dear Arthur is doing anything but the job he is there to do, and he starts hearing a creaking upstairs, and he's like, oh no, what's that? He goes upstairs, and he goes to the room, and oh no, it's locked, so he goes down to get a hatchet, and he's gonna knock down the door, and the door is open when he gets back up there. So, it's just a rocking chair, and the rocking chair is rocking, and it's all it does for a little while. Uh, come to learn... That's where Jeanette killed herself on the rocking chair. Oh no! Just uh, jumped and, off of it. And yep, she she did the old jump, and uh, that's that's kind of it for the rocking chair in the movie. So, rocking yeah. chair. Yeah. So
1: let me tell you let me tell you a little bit about that rocking chair. So tell that happens in the play.
0: Chair.
1: It happens in the play and in the book where Arthur hears this creaking and I love the way it happens in the book because Arthur's just sitting there doing his thing uh, in this house Mm -hmm. and he hears the creaking and he can't place it. He can't place it. He's like, gosh, I know, I know that sound. Why do I know that sound? Why do I know that sound? But it's like, it's so, it's so familiar to me and he keeps thinking about it and then he realizes it's a rocking chair because he connects it to his own memories of being a child and being held by his mom, by his nanny and receiving comfort from this rocking chair. So he realizes it's a rocking chair. He goes into the nursery. It's locked, goes and tries to bash down the door. It opens and you Mm -hmm. see this rocking chair is just rocking. And I think it's really cool to see things on stage um, because like, kind of like, you know how you were talking about practical effects.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah
1: it's it get i i don't want to pit film against theater uh, sure but i think it's so much fun to see th- practical effects on stage oh, because yeah. there's a Good little bit of like oh you can't magic. cgi that thing
0: you darn toot oh. you can't
1: so so i love i love to see that rocking chair happen and arthur's just like oh and so he's comes into this room feeling a certain kind of way about this rocking chair of just like oh mm-hmm. mothers i love my mom and i had such a good childhood and then the second he crashes into the nursery he gets hit with that same feeling that he felt the first time he saw Jeanette, Ooh. where he just gets this feeling of anger and hurt and despair
0: oh man that and is cool and in the
1: in the book in the play, Jeanette does not kill herself on that rocking chair. She just withers away. She just... Really? it. She just shrivels up and shrinks up and just... It's one of those very gothic Victorian like, oh, they died of a broken heart, which is just yeah, a fancy yeah. way of saying malnourishment.
0: <laughs> or an uh, illness. <laughs> uh,
1: a, a tuberculosis.
0: Oh, mayhaps.
1: Uh, and so... So, yeah. So, when I saw that in the movie, I was like... No, that's not what that rocking chair means. That rocking yeah. chair is not a symbol of death. That rocking chair is a symbol of nourishment.
0: Oh man. Yeah, that's uh that's that's got a lot more depth. I uh I, I wish they would have kind of played with that a little bit more in the in the film, but of course. I'm
1: angry you know, about it. Different mediums. So yeah. And then and then here's here's the fun fact: I'm not legally allowed to say that I worked on this show, so I'm going to say right. that I didn't. But if I did, if I had uh-huh. worked on the show, I may or may not have purchased a rocking chair for the show that I did not work on, mm-hmm. and that rocking chair is now in my bedroom.
0: Awesome uh hypothetically uh, hypothetically if, if i if had it were a rocking in your chair if i yeah, if yeah. i had a bedroom that w- that would be awesome for all but.
1: you know i just exist in this office
0: yeah yeah who knows who knows you
1: don't know you don't know
0: <laughs> you don't know nothing so you um, don't
1: know anything so so there you go that i have feelings about that rocking chair and and again mm. um i think that rocking chair is so important to the play and to the book because it Humanizes Jeanette and this is one of the things that i I really am not appreciative of the movie is that though she is an antagonist they just made her so two dimensional
0: oh yeah the uh her whole backstory was she was crazy anyway, so they took away her kid right um and it was her sister who was watching her son yeah um and then so she it's i just mean just not great. yeah yeah there was there was no um I, I am of the belief that a truly good villain you almost are on their side yeah. uh, it wasn't it wasn't even almost the case here it was just kind of like okay she's an angry ghost that's it
1: right and, uh, and let's get something straight here killing children is wrong we uh, don't yeah advocate I'm pretty, yeah for killing children that's a no- no that's a no no we don't do that don't don't do that uh, do not do that thing but It's important to know why Jeanette is doing it. Yes. And to say, oh, you feel a lot of pain. You feel a lot of pain that you did not get to sit in that rocking chair and rock your son more. Mm. Like you wanted to. And that you probably would have been a good mom because she's not crazy in the book. Like originally, she's just has a baby out of wedlock and that's enough to be taken away
0: very uh very <sighs> sad
1: what what do we get from this story what do we get from the movie from i've i clearly have feelings about this
0: yeah for me with my limited viewing and uh a uh, smaller scope of the tale i i'd say yeah it's it's a it's a cautionary tale about cherishing what you have while you have it and mm-hmm. uh there happens to be a ghost lady in it
1: um <laughs> oh there she that's- is
0: all things considered this was relatively a more tame horror film it's rated pg-13 there's not an obscene amount of blood in it the blood that's there is cartoonish and goofy and doesn't look like blood at all Very um but yeah you know you know i I think it's comfortably right at pg-13 so
1: yeah yeah it's well and and i think it's funny because again i saw this when i was 18 i think Mm. 18 yeah maybe 19 no I was 18 I was 18 when I saw this and uh and it scared the heck out of me I was I could not sleep I could not sleep because I was so haunted oh I forgot to say one more thing
0: (laughs) yeah 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 hop back to it
1: okay 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 so you know how much you hate that ending where the woman in black just kind of like looks up at the camera and you're like why are you doing that yep you want to know why (laughs) <laughs> yeah is, great because it's a tradition in the play okay okay it's not, the, it's not in the book but it's in the place yeah. of so what <laughs> happens in the no, play no i can respect that i know right it's like the one thing that i like about the movie um what happens is um at the end of the play arthur kipps they finish the story kipps comes to the actor and he's like okay i think it can rest now and kipps uh, the actor is like so uh, who's the woman that you hired to play the ghost that's been here the whole time and Kipps is like pardonnez moi." <laughs> I did not I did not hire a single person other than that's you cool. and the actor's like fudge and so let's <laughs> go out as when everyone's filing out a light pops up it's like you can only see it if you turn back if you leave Ooh. the show before like anything happens, because they do their bows and everything like that, if you turn and leave, then you won't see the woman. But if you look back at the stage, there's a light that pops on and you just see her face. Cool. And it's a little eerie. So that's why that happens in the movie. Okay, that's, there you go. No,
0: that's fun. See, okay, and, and that feels like a nice little Easter egg. But I will say, <gasps> uh, from the perspective of just the film, it was very... Oh, no, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wow, <laughs> I don't know.
1: She's coming
0: after you, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but no, so. I, I I will say, uh, nice, comfy six out of ten as far as the film goes.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those films that's like, are you looking to get creeped out for no reason at all?
0: Mm. Do you
1: just do you just want a couple of you know shocks, as it were?
0: Maybe you want to Watch look Woman at Daniel Black. Radcliffe's beautiful blue eyes for a little while. Yeah, sure. Who knows? Why
1: not? Harry Potter. He exists outside of Harry Potter. Sure. That's
0: true. That's uh, true.
1: Although I personally, if you want to see Daniel Radcliffe do something not Harry Pottery at all, find the version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead that he's in oh, I, when they did it on West End. Okay. I'm Go so
0: on board. That sounds incredible. That's
1: great. I saw that one and I was like, oh, he really isn't Harry Potter anymore, is he? <laughs> Look at that. Look
0: at that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um,
1: okay. So... Yeah, major major takeaways from from this movie.
0: Ah, uh, what do you think? I think uh, hold your people tight, folks. Hold your people real tight. That's yeah. that's my um, that's my moral takeaway. That's the moral of the story. Uh, Love your loved ones. Um, you know, as a as a narrative or as a film, I I think the takeaway for me is just you know what, dead old ladies are creepy. Pfft. okay <laughs> and even creepier than dead old ladies <laughs> dead angry old ladies
1: oh yeah those are the worst
0: and how about you my friend what what are what are your takeaways
1: oh i think what i get out of this is um i think what i get out of the movie is don't mess with dead women yeah 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 because, you know, that's not very polite to do is to just don't, don't go and mess with their internal affairs. So, so there's mm-hmm. that. What I get from the play is l- learn to listen and, and be empathetic before you're forced to be empathetic.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Monsters, monsters have this way of forcing us to be empathetic, and I think it would do us all a load of good to be empathetic first before yeah, just... being traumatized
0: practice a little on our own cool love it learn
1: to listen especially especially those who are social outcasts learn to listen to them
0: take notes folks
1: so uh family ratings who should who should and should not watch this movie who are who are you gonna recommend it to
0: so I kind of jumped the gun there earlier uh but yeah you know I think it's a nice cozy PG-13 um I'm not gonna recommend it to anyone because I don't think it's a very great movie uh I mean, but hey, if if you're in the mood for a, a PG-13, you know, hour and a half romp, that's a little fun sometimes. Yeah. Check it out if you're above the age of 14 and don't mind a little blood. Uh, how, how about you? Where would you put it as far as recommendations? Well,
1: I also think that I would not recommend the movie to anyone, but I would recommend <laughs> the play to anyone who is visiting London and wants a taste of tradition because The Woman in Black is the second longest running play on the west end it's right next to mousetrap it's been running I did not know that. since it was put on in 1987. Huh. new actors Very but cool it's the same show uh and it, so it's it's fun to go see and to to be a part of um english history so that's fun it's a fun play it's fun because you don't see that in theater oh, yeah. a lot you don't see ghost stories so it's fun it's good um right. so I recommend I recommend the play to people who are going to London. Um, and I recommend the book to anyone who wants a taster of what is Victorian Gothic because this book is it. It is iconically Victorian Gothic. Right on the
0: money, baby. It is
1: right on the money. So if you want a simple quick read to be like, "Hey, can you give me like a couple of spooks and also teach me a little bit about a subgenre?" I would throw Woman in Black at you like here you Mm. go it's fine it's great read it uh mom yeah don't watch it mom doesn't need to watch it mom doesn't need (laughs) to watch it yeah we got another one it's not
0: a not a mom movie it's
1: not it's not it's not mom friendly it's not mom friendly um and and then yeah I wouldn't really recommend it like we said before to uh to anybody because it's just not good
0: your time is worth more Rocky you should read Uh, it uh and and I I will say I will say I had a I had a good time rewatching it um good But it was fine, you know. Like I said, six it's out of ten. Okay, uh, no, I, I've actually got it. All right, folks. Next oh, week, okay. uh, we here, here's here's the little hint for uh, for the next discussion. <clears throat> ho, ho, ho! Oh no! <laughs> and that's all you're getting for now, folks. <laughs> remember to remember to keep it real, keep it
1: spooky. <laughs> thank you (laughs) oh who says horror can't be funny
0: oh no folks we will see you next week thank you for listening to the good the rad and the spooky stay spooky out there guys please the Good, The Rad, and The Spooky was created and written by us, Connor Wood and Vail McComb.
1: You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates, new episodes, recommendations, and inordinate amounts of pictures of our podcast mascot, Spooky the Cat, at Good Rad Spooky.
0: Please support us by liking, subscribing, and even reviewing. Intro song and ads were written and performed by Connor. Special thanks to Ned Wilcock for the logo artwork.